Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Future Lab, Ohio's technology podcast. Today, we're joined by Cal Aldubabe, who's the CEO of Pandata. Cal is a data scientist, entrepreneur, and professional speaker on artificial intelligence. He founded Pandata on the core values of approachability and ethics, empowering organizations to design and develop AI solutions that grow their bottom line. Pandata has has overseen 80-plus transformative projects with leading global brands, including Parker Hannafin, the Cleveland Museum of Art, First Energy, and Penn State University. Cal is especially passionate about the ethics of AI and how organizations can orchestrate the right talent to support AI initiatives. Cal has been recognized as a notable immigrant entrepreneur, Crane's Cleveland 20 in their 20s, and a two-time Cleveland Smart 50 recipient. In addition to becoming the first data science graduate from Case Western Reserve University, Cal is also known for his role for advocating for careers and educational pathways in data science through workforce development initiatives. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Future Lab, the podcast where we talk with and about the people, companies, and ideas building the future. From startup founders building the next unicorn to someone leading innovation at a Fortune 500 company, experts in emerging technologies, or people creating the cities of tomorrow. I'm your host, Chris Berry, and in each episode, we talk with innovators and creators to learn what they're working on and how they're doing it. The one thing they all have in common, they're building the future. Thanks for listening to The Future Lab. Let's go. Hey, Cal, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But to start, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about Pandata, what you've built, and what the company looks like. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so to kind of give an overview of Pandata, we are a um, consulting practice and we help organizations design and develop artificial intelligence and machine learning solutions. And in particular, we're really focused on uh, principles of designing ethical AI and human-centered AI. I'm really excited to talk a little bit more later in this conversation about what that means and why that's important. Something I always like to ask because there's so many diverse answers that I hear. What was your path to tech and what you're doing now like? Is is tech and obviously artificial intelligence is is newer and so that hasn't been sure. around all that long. But what was, you know, growing up was working in technology, is that something you've always wanted to do or has it been an evolution to where you're at now? You know, when I was uh, when I was a teenager, I was really fascinated with uh, programming. I remember being bored on a family trip, and I stumbled on my dad's book, C Sharp for Dummies. And thirteen year old me got into my head, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to learn how to program." And he said, "Sure, have at it." And uh, that kind of started my fascination. I got to join robotics clubs, and, and by the time I was in college. I had decided to pursue a degree in computer science and realized very quickly that maybe I wasn't so interested in that. And that started off a series of, you know, exploration and I, and six major changes later, uh, I ended up settling on neuroscience of all things. Um, and I, I actually started my career by working in public health and population health research. So asking questions, what makes a population healthy? What does that cost the economy? What can companies do about it to motivate healthier behaviors and reduce costs? And that led me to the world of data. Um, so, you know, I, at, at some point I got into, um, entrepreneurship and I, I started a venture focused on, 
um, healthcare analytics and building artificial intelligence in the healthcare space. And I ended up shifting to part-time in college. And in a, in a plot twist, uh, they had announced a new major in data science at Case Western. And I told my dad, I picked up the phone, I called him and I said, Dad, I'm going to change my major one last time. <laughs> and it nearly drove him crazy. <laughs> Uh, but it turns out that was the best professional bet I ever made. I became the first data science graduate out of case. And through my experience with my first startup, I kept hearing people in the healthcare space, but also other industries saying things like we have data, but we don't know what to do with it. And that inspired me to start Pandata. Cool. That That's a really, really interesting story. Um and to hop around, but but still within technology uh, is really yeah. cool. But to kind of find that a different a different discipline a bit, and so you know, I guess post grad now, if we're kind of going down the the timeline here, post grad, what, what you know, from graduating with your first ever degree at, at Case Western to where you're at today, what was that path like, and and how did it lead you to the entrepreneurship side of what you're doing? Um, so, you know, entrepreneurship for me started really uh, with uh, the Blackstone Launchpad Center at Case Western, now uh, Blackstone LaunchNet, um, and in general, entrepreneurial uh, resources and e- the, the ecosystem in Northeast Ohio. I got plugged into mentors, and uh, as an engineer, communication and business wasn't second nature to me. I didn't even know this was a career option. Uh, so I was been, I've been really grateful for the workforce initiatives and, and nonprofits that we have, not just in Northeast Ohio, but um, in general in our region that support entrepreneurs like myself kind of getting our, our wheels. Uh, but fast forwarding to my second venture, Pandata, um, I started with this notion of we have data, we don't know what to do with it. I know some things about math and data science. Um, this has kind of become my career and now I have a degree in it. Um, I had to learn over the course of the first couple of years to not communicate in terms of data science and and what the modeling is and what the machine learning and AI is, but start talking about what it can do for people and connecting with individuals around how it can help them solve practical real world problems. So over the course of learning that, Pandata goes from just me being a data scientist working on solo projects here or there um, into a firm. And we've really grown through word of mouth. We've been really lucky to work with organizations like Parker Hannafin, First Energy, uh, the Cleveland Museum of Art, and Highland Software, just to list a few. And growing and learning with these organizations as the data science industry has been rapidly advancing over the past few years. That's hmm. so it's so interesting. And as you're the solo entrepreneur and doing, you know, working with companies, doing, uh, I assume like contract work or just kind of taking different projects along the way, did you know you wanted to build this into a firm where you're employing people or did it kind of just stumble into that where it's like, oh boy, I'm getting all this work. I need some help. And then someone else help and turns into two, three, four, five. And and here we are today. Well, sometimes I wonder what I really was thinking when I decided (laughs) to do this. Yep. (laughs) Um, But it was kind of a mix between the two. I think I had some notion of an idea of, well, there's a scarcity of data science talent in the region. And just to kind of give you some stats around it, when I started Pandata, there were fewer than 150 data scientists in all of Northeast Ohio. Today, there's around 600. So it's growing, but there's still a scarcity of talent. And I had this idea that if I could create a critical mass of data scientists, where it doesn't make sense for organizations above a certain point to even have data scientists 
um, there could be some value proposition there. We focus on cultivating, staying ahead in our craft, building a community and culture around it while serving that need and helping organizations get access to this uh, scarce talent pool in our region. So I had some sort of idea that Pandata could become that. I didn't have a clear vision on how to accomplish that. And I think a lot of that was learning by doing and also learning from my team as we got bigger. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because I think for a lot of new ventures, it's like, sure, there's a plan and you, you know that's important and having the kind of, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months and then a couple years into it. But uh, when you do anything brand new, things change so much and like six months time, what you know now versus what you'll know then is just drastically different. And so I always love hearing people say that because, you know, sometimes I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs get a, it's like, what do you mean you don't have a better plan or like what you're going to be doing in 27 months from now? It's like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yesterday I had no idea that this, I'd be doing this today. And so it, it's, it's cool to hear you say that. And also, uh, as you mentioned, the, the, the data scientist community in Northeastern Ohio, which it, it's, it's incredible to see that. And it's really cool to talk with you from someone who's taken that leadership role on of not just helping yourself, your own company, but as you said, build that community. So curious yeah. why, that was important to you. Um, and I know whether it's Ohio X with what we do or different groups across the region and the state, and I'm sure nationally, yeah. um, you've, you've really dove into that side of it and community building and, you know, kind of sending that elevator down to help more people come up. You know, I guess what, what kind of keyed me into, we have a problem or an issue here, or even a, an opportunity is we have world-class educational institutions right here. And yet we're, we're terrible at retaining uh, these graduating students. And, and I, I think I was reading the statistics that at least in, in Northeast Ohio, 50% of our graduates leave the region from these higher educational institutions. Um, there's a critical mass of data scientists in uh, large urban centers. Um, and when you think of you know the, the coasts, um, I think over 80% last time I checked of data scientists in the U.S. are either in one of the two coastal regions. Um, of the, I want to say, 8 to 15% or 8% actually that are in the Midwest, uh, most of them are concentrated in Chicago. Yeah. And that leaves the rest of these regions with breadcrumbs. But if we're going to say artificial intelligence and machine learning and data-driven technology um, is critical to um, competitive advantage of organizations based here, headquartered here, then we need to have some sort of a way of cultivating this talent here, retaining this talent here. And we can only do that by building the right community around it and making it attractive for data scientists to even want to be here. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think that's completely spot on. And uh, I loved how you mentioned the, the education centers. And we have such this rich pipeline of talent. And it's important to keep that talent home because a lot of people leave first job out of college or go away for school and don't necessarily come back. And I think what we've seen in the past year or so is so many of those people eventually want to, but it can be difficult when you might not just be looking for one good career. You might be looking for two because there's spouses and partners involved and it's, uh, it, it's difficult. And so it's really, really fun to watch what you all are doing in, in, in your field. And so a couple more questions before we uh, kind of dive into the, the second half of the show. First is something that I've noticed, and I, I hear you all talk about it. I see it on the website. I see it on the social media. But you talk about eth ethical, uh, ethical AI and ethics. And 
uh, human centered kind of that side of, of artificial intelligence. So what, what does that mean to you and the team? Um, and why have you made that a part of the brand and the mission that you're doing at Pandata? That's a great question. And whenever we say ethical AI, it's almost these kind of guards come up like, oh, you're about to go academic. on <laughs> And, I, you know, it's something that I, I think um, is often is, is overlooked or was overlooked in the earlier part of organizations evolution and adopting and racing to try to adopt AI. Um, understandably so. Um, you you want to start using this technology to get to some advantage and you might not yet have reached the point where there's unintended consequence. Um, but as more mature organizations and, and news headlines have increased um, in frequency lately of unintended consequences, things from discriminating against uh, candidates, female versus male candidates, uh, unintentionally biasing uh, certain minorities to, to receive uh, lesser risk scores, unintentionally, of course, uh, among many other examples. Um, and there's actually this, uh, this fun little website called Awful AI. Hmm. Uh, that has a listing of examples of use cases that were well-intended but went wrong, whether it was a result of bias in the data that was used to build these models, historical patterns that just weren't taken into consideration, um, or it being very difficult to try to filter out whether or not there's bias. It can be difficult to, you know, if you're using tweets and written word and spoken word, uh, to actually go through that and filter it all, especially when you're dealing with it at scale. So to bring this back to the practical side of, of what we mean by ethical AI, um, we kind of have these four pillars we talk about at Pandata. Uh, the first is uh, fair and inclusive. Uh, the second is um, explainable and interpretable, right? Can you actually understand why the model or the AI is doing what it's doing or recommending what it's recommending? Uh, you have privacy, a privacy-preserving notion are we doing right? Are we being good custodians of the data? Are we preserving individuals' right to privacy? Um, and then finally, maximizing human value. And this one you don't hear people talking a lot about. We all talk about the ROI of AI and automating tasks. But we don't talk about what the ROI of AI looks like or what the ROI looks like when you have AI-enabled humans, right? And that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make our lives better. We're trying to create value. And we only do that when we focus on the humans. And this all rests on a foundation of trust. So when we say ethical AI, it's these four pillars, and they're very, very practical. And it's all about starting the right conversations within your organization about how you want to start addressing these facets of AI to make sure that you're not the next headline. Yeah, that that's that's interesting. And you had mentioned the what is awful.ai or the the website. And I think it's one of those where a lot of these emerging technologies, they can become very easily buzzwords. Um, but it, to your point of, of uh, the bias and, and the algorithms, you see on like the, the examples, I remember a few times like Twitter, where you, yeah. would, you would post two, you know, or maybe it was like four images and there would be one, one white gentleman, one black gentleman, and the algorithm is only promoting the, the white person. And that's when I think you start to see some of that. And so I love that you all are out there talking about this and giving some of those real world examples, because again, it's very easy to bypass, Oh, artificial intelligence, like that stuff I'll, I'll never understand. And I'm not a data scientist, yeah. but we're all on Twitter. We're all on Instagram and how some of these pop up and just, you can see the bias and it's immediate and it's, sure. and it's shocking in a way, um, in a very big way of like, 
how did that even happen? And you wonder that. And so that, yeah. that's cool that you're bringing that aspect and that part of the conversation, which is incredibly important as all these things are getting adopted and companies are moving fast and just so much is like, you know, disruption is occurring um, yeah. to make sure that that's, you know, that's being thought of. So that's really, that's really great. I, I mean, you know, I, I almost sometimes have a criticism of how ethics is being taught in engineering schools. There's this very traditional notion of ethics and it's very academic. I mean, you have these like railroad type uh, problems, right? Do you send the rail cart this way or this way? There's no clear answer. You have to come up with a risk function or a way of evaluating this. Uh, But the reality is practical ethics when it comes to AI looks very, very different. And so we're trying to shift from this academic focus. When you bring up ethics, it's academic to, no, this is real world. This is how you put some guardrails around things and protect your brand, protect your reputation and do right by the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one final question on, uh, and, and, you know, as part of this part of the conversation, but what is, what is Pandata? I guess it's two part. What, what does Pandata look like today? What does the team look like? And you just built it, you know, as a, a solopreneur a few years ago. Um, so what does it look like today? And then what does the future, what does the next year, two years, five years look like for the company? So I would say Pandata has has really become a firm three years ago. That's when we had a critical mass of team um, and the core individuals that are a part of Pandata then are now a big part of our leadership today. Uh, we have a full-time team of 10. Uh, we're growing rapidly. Uh, we had, I want to say, uh, six to seven full-time uh, by the end of 2019. And now we're, we're at 10. Um, we partner with a lot of boot camps, in particular to you boot camp. Uh, we have a lot of successful grads who are second careers. Mm-hmm. So they come from uh, backgrounds in manufacturing, uh, anthropology, neuroscience, law even. Um, and they've decided to enter the world of data science. And we find that these folks have rich, rich backgrounds. And this ties directly into our talent model. We never hire data scientists. Mm-hmm. We hire junior data scientists. We cultivate them up within our organization And we're beating national statistics on retention now. So I'm really excited. We have a diversity of perspectives, a diversity of individuals. um, And we work with organizations to solve complex problems by either adopting or building the right machine learning and AI solutions. Mm -hmm. As for the future, we've really been focused so far on this region, Northeast Ohio. We've been uh, attending conferences, going to meetups, sharing the the message and and helping organizations understand how they can adopt AI. Um, And in more particular, ethical human-centered AI. We're now taking um, our, our values and our mission and we're investing aggressively in participating in national conferences uh, that are leading in the space, like Open Data Science, for example, and the Marketing um, Artificial Intelligence uh, Conference that actually is hosted right here in our backyard. And uh, we're, we're looking to start working with organizations outside of our region as well and uh, really show them that we have some strong, viable data science talent um, that can help them solve some of their most vexing problems. Well, v- very cool. Like I've said a couple of times now, and it, it's AI, it's it's something that increasingly you, you see the the races between, you know, cities and regions and states as they look to adopt it and then countries and just the competitiveness of the tech world and these like tech, you know, cold war or whatever out there of countries and who's adopting it faster. So Sure. To have a company like yours and, and leadership like yours uh, in Ohio and Cleveland uh, is, is really, really, really cool, Cal. So uh, 
Thanks for all you're doing. And then let's go to the second half of the show where four quick questions, the answers don't have to be quick, but, but hopefully uh, a little fun. And, uh, so question one is what is a challenge you're working to solve? So this could be something big and massive, or it could be something smaller that you're just experiencing as the CEO of your company. Um, I'm going to tackle this in, in two parts okay. and two real quick hits. One is a coherent framework to practice ethical data science, not just for ourselves. We have some ideas, we have some notions around it, we have some best practices, but we really want to get this down pat into a checklist, into a playbook that we can use consistently ourselves, but it can also share with other organizations to adopt and start getting to the business of practicing ethical data science. Um, and then the the second thing is is directly related to it, but it's the the challenge of how do we continue cultivating data science talent within our region? How do we solve the pipeline? How do we build from within and not constantly try to feel like we have to attract and pull from the coasts? That that, that second one specifically, I know, is a similar passion of of mine and a lot of others. And so, um, but and we have all the right ingredients we, right here. We in do our absolutely, and that's I think what's fun, and it's been so f- great to see over the past. 12 months or so and kind of even, you know, less. And it's a lot of these are, you know, the classic kind of line of like, oh, these are overnight success stories, like five years in the making, but we have the institutions and we're seeing some really big investments from coordinated leadership where you're getting a couple of the big institutions in town that are coming together and working together. And you kind of have state government and groups that are doing some good work uh, that partner. And so I agree that the recipe is there um, or the ingredients is there. And I think we're seeing the recipe at play. So it's exciting time. And so again, with what you all are doing, I think it's, it's really fun to see an AI company um, take, take, take center stage. So question two, Cal, uh, what is a favorite read, listen, or watch? So this could be a book, podcast, or show. Maybe something that uh, you know you've binge watched during quarantine uh, to get your mind off of AI, or maybe it's a you know business leadership book that you revisit once a month or once a year, so, not once um, a month. That'd be a lot to to read the same book. <laughs> it's like you know a page a night. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny enough, I do kind of have my my textbook Bible that I reference frequently. Um, it's Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Um, I'm a member in the entrepreneurs organization, specifically the Cleveland chapter. I'm a big, big fan and champion of what this group stands for. Global network of 18,000 entrepreneurs that learn peer-to-peer. And this, um, this framework is kind of a growth framework. How do you think about the four decisions to grow your organization? And it's just filled with tools. Um, Whether you use one or all of them, um, I've managed over the years to build Pandata's strategy and vision and and turn us into a culture-first organization by following some of these frameworks. Nice. That's a good good one. I'll have to check that one out. Um, Third question is, what is one problem you'd solve or a business you'd start if funding was no issue? And so we're thinking big here, where you get a $100 million seed round, you have all the experts you need. Uh, you have the R and D that you need. You have access to anything. Uh, you get a hundred million bucks. What, what are you going to tackle? That's a, you know, I think that's a part two to the problem we're trying to solve today. Uh, today we're focused on frameworks and best practice tomorrow. If you know, money and funding was no issue. What I'd love to, to see happen is actually building, um, ethics first 
AI and machine learning tools and building blocks, things that you can validate and vet and trust instead of having to shift the burden onto organizations to figure it out. How can we create a, a starting set of ingredients uh, that can be used and trusted um, without needing to fear unintended consequence? I think that would be something very, very welcomed and timely with all the things happening in the world at the moment. Indeed. So question four, what's your favorite place in Ohio? So you have, you know, say friends or relatives coming into town, coming into state uh, first time, and you get to take them anywhere. Where, where, where are you spending a day at? This is easy. The Cleveland Museum of Art. Hands down, favorite location, uh, world-class art, beautiful building, um, and they have fun events. So, um, and, and it's free. Oh, cool. It's completely free, which is incredible. It's actually rated the second best art museum in the country. And it's a little gem that most people don't know we have right here. Yeah. I, I, Cleveland, it's the Cleveland Museum of Art. And then isn't the theater district also like a top three or four theater district in the country? Yeah. Right after Broadway. Cool. Very nice. Well, um, as the weather's getting warmer, we're starting to open back up. Hopefully all these things are uh, on a lot of people's list to do because uh, tremendous assets to the city and the region. So Cal, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your story, what you've been building, uh, what you're doing, anything we didn't cover that you want to mention or get out there or share with the audience. I I so appreciate the time, Chris, and, um, I challenged everyone who's listening. Um, oftentimes we hear AI and it goes over our head. No, that's not me and not my organization. But one way or another, whether you're building it or using software tools that have AI in it, AI affects you. So how can you be part of asking the right questions to hold individuals and data science teams accountable to building more fair, more human-centered AI? Well, that's a a great way to end it. Um, Well, also for those listening, we will link Pandetta's website, uh, Cal, your LinkedIn. into the show notes. So it's one click. Anyone can, can check out what you're building, uh, connect with you on LinkedIn, but Cal again, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. And like I said, I, I'm not smart enough to understand what you all do each and every day, but I love, I love it. And I, and I understand the importance of it. And so it's, it's cool again to see a, a Cleveland company leading on some of this stuff. So thank you again for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris, for the time.